This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And it's brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media, our buddies on the South Coast. And it's brought to you a few days after the Manchester United game. We played Manchester United at New Griffin Park. It didn't quite go to plan. We'll be talking about that on this podcast. Plus, also, we'll be looking forward to the Wolves game. We'll be talking to Dan from the Wolves fancast as well about the Wolverhampton Wanderers match. But I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with my man Laney. Laney, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. The Wednesday night fixture means the weekend game comes around very fast after that. And uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Man United game, another defeat for the Bees. So we have, to, we have to put that right. We need to get some more points on the table. But Wolves is going to be a toughie. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the game, looking forward to talking about it. So yeah, bring it on, Bill. Bring it on, most definitely. What I'd want to do is I want to give a, a quick shout out. We said that in the in the in, in the winter break window. Actually, we're going to be giving lots of shouts out to people who have been supporting us. We thank you very much. But I want to give a tip my hat and give a little shout out because every now and again we get fans who come to us to actually donate tickets for the match to Besotted, and we say, "Listen, here you go, Besotted. Do what you want with it." And we get very grateful. I want to sort of pick a big shout to to Harry as well. You know, who sort of kind of sorted us out a couple of tickets to basically put to our charity fund because what we do is that we get the tickets we find a suitable person for those tickets who wants to buy the tickets and then what we do is that we take the tickets the money from the tickets that we get and we get them to donate it directly to the Rob Rowan fund which is cardiac risk in the young because as you know Rob Rowan um, the ex-technical director for Brentford, who was a big, big, big buddy of Besotted as well. And unfortunately, he died a couple of years ago from a, uh, a heart problem as well. And uh, But like I said, his legacy goes on. And what we've been doing over the years, actually, we've been actually doing this quite a lot where people have been get, getting tickets, you know, maybe it'd be for competitions or whatever, uh, selling them on and the, the money goes directly to cry. And uh, we started up again. So I want to say a big thanks to Harry as well out there for donating your tickets as well it's got to cry and like I said to you we'll be doing that more during the year as well uh, which is all good because any money to go to the Rob Ryan Fund is all good and like I said to you if anyone wants to give it just go to Just Giving 
search for Besotted, B-W-E-S-O-T-T-E-D, and then you'll see it come up, and then just donate to the uh, to the Rob Brown Fund there if you want to. There's absolutely no pressure, but like I said to you, it is there. But anyway, we're going to move on, because we're going to talk about a game on Wednesday night, when the team from Manchester, who are a rather large team, um, apparently they're the biggest team in the world, according to our manager. Anyway, they came down to New Griffin Park, and they played a game of football against the bus stop in Hounslow. So, Wednesday night, Manchester United came down to New Griffin Park and uh, there was a little bit of trepidation before that game because uh, we didn't play particularly well down in Southampton and against Liverpool as well, we came up a cropper and we're thinking, oh no, Man United are coming down. This is going to be a complete and utter nightmare. But actually... Um, Brentford actually did themselves proud, particularly in the first half of that game. You know, Man United ran out 3-1 winners, but uh, some will say, actually, we were a little bit unlucky not to get something out of that game. I mean, Laney, what are your main takeaways? Yeah, the main takeaway is, you know, it's, it's obvious, and that You know, we have to take the chances. We, we created three or four really good chances in the first half, um, and if if, if we, we had taken them it's a very different game the fact that we didn't and Man United came on strong and their class showed in, in glimpses and that, that they were able to unlock us and we always I think we always knew that was going to come didn't we it didn't come, really come as a surprise to, to, to know that you know having squandered two I'd say uh, absolute guilt edge chances to go in at nil-nil as, as pleasing and, and as proud as you are that you're holding Man United I think you all know that that's gonna that's gonna work against you over the ninety minutes because you know the the first goal um, and the second goal were, were, were clinical breakaways and, and Rashford for the third goal he showed Jensen how to finish you know you if if you get go one on one with a keeper you have to you have to put it above his reach for his legs you you put it on the floor the goalkeeper still stands a chance of saving it and De Gea is a class act he is world class he's he's had a he's had his knockers the last year or so and he's been in and out of form as all goalkeepers are but he's that's his strength he's he's so quick with his feet and you've seen it year in year out before we even arrived at this level De Gea is is his quality is class act and you have to make it unsavable and we didn't unfortunately um, Jensen got his pelters again for that which you know is par for the course people there's a lot of people that really dislike him um, you know I think he's a frustrating player we do talk about the good Jensen bad Jensen but there's a lot of people that you know really sort of went to town on him again after that he, he I think he had a really good game um, we'll talk about that probably but yeah going back to the original question main takeaway is that <laughs> we once again created chances we didn't take and we paid the price for it Right. I mean, looking at the summary of this match, yes, we created a number of chances relative to our possession as well. We were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from counters as well, and uh, also goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces. Um, where our weaknesses were, we were poor at finishing. Uh, we lost possession often, again, and we were also caught offside. Um, you know, our styles, like I said to you, large quantity possession in the opponent's half, high shot frequency we were in possession, and we favoured through balls. Manchester United, they stole the ball from us a lot as well. And uh, they had a lot of chances through individual skill and also from through balls. 
and uh, counter-attacks as well. A lot of opportunities as well and strong at finishing. They didn't actually have any significant weaknesses. Uh, they favoured long shots and through balls. Interestingly, actually, as well, talking about stats-wise, you know, just straight-up stats, you know, 18 shots to 13. It is, you know, so Brentford had 18 shots, Man United had 13, you know, 18 open play, eight, eight, each an open play as well. Um, and so when you're looking at that from a shot conversion, and this is not, you know, XG-wise, this is just straight-up stats, from a shot conversion, we converted eight five percent of our chances, and they converted twenty three percent. So that kind of gives you an idea of the sort of you know if you look at a straight up strat, you know the, the quality. Even though that doesn't actually measure the uh, the quality of chances that were created, that just measures it from chances themselves. We'll talk about the quality of chances a little bit later. I mean. Just to look, looking at that, Laney, I mean, I know that you talked about just taking your chances. Is anything else there that kind of sort of kind of springs to mind? And you sort of think, hmm, this is kind of ringing a bell every single game? I, th- I, think, I think what happens at, at this level is uh, it, you just have to take, you have to take um, uh, reassurance in, in the fact that you, you do still create the chances. You know, the, the, the games where you don't, and you're playing, you're playing badly. You're not creating anything, and you're not scoring. They're the games when I start to worry. Uh, we we've done really well against the better teams, and we've we've done pretty well-ish against the teams around us as well. You know, we 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 we've won sort of three home games in 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 the recent sequence. Um, I think it's three out of five we've won. Um, it it it. As I say, I do take reassurance in the fact that we are creating chances against some some of the best defenses in the world. Um, it, it obviously pains me that we, we're not we're not taking them because I just think I think Man United were there not necessarily for the taking, but that's that's as good a chance as we're going to get to to take a point at least off of off of United. They're only going to get better as the season goes on, probably, and certainly next season. Um, they're, they're in a they're in a sort of in a in a state of flux, um, and that 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 suited us. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 you can you can over you can over read into this, and you know we just got we just got to move on and learn from it. Um, and you know, I think probably you could argue that our chances fell to the wrong player, but they were marking that player. You know, they they knew that Ivan Tony was the one to to, to be looking out for, so they had players on, on him, and they they, they didn't track. Jensen's run quite so quite so well, and that allowed him to to get through. You know, another day you you hope he scores, but you know he did have he did have three chances, um, and then Mads Beck had had, had a, an incredible chance that he, he got on target, but you know it was it was it was deflected. So we 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 were unlucky as well. Um, we just have to we have to just t- be buoyed from that and just go again and just keep creating that. And then I know I've got. I've got every every faith in the fact that we are way too good to to be dragged down. We've got too many points on the on the board, um, and we're playing pretty well. So you know, we're not going to be we're not we won't be qualifying for Europe, but you know we're be, we're going to be more than fine. Okay, so I'm going to ask you. I mean, three one to Manchester United. Do you think that was a fair result? No, not really. No, it, it wasn't fair. I, I, you know, I'd say that's that's a draw on another day. I mean, it, it was fair in so much as they had they had you know better better quality finishers, um, and they had a couple of brilliant moments. You know, the, the the chest from Ronaldo through to Fernandez, and you know he played it played it across, and you know it was just tapped in um, for Greenwood. Um, it, that was just 
incisive knife through butter stuff. So, 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 fairness factor. As a as a percentage, oh, fifty percent. Oh, okay, right. And for me, as a fairness factor, I'll probably yeah, I'll probably going to go. I've got to be got to go sixty. I'll probably go sixty-one percent actually. So I still think it's fairly unfair, but I think that maybe on the on the bulk of it, maybe we should have scored. But I think maybe on the bulk of it, draw or maybe Man United just slightly sneak it sixty-one percent. Looking at the xG on this one, as we go to actually two point eight seven to Brentford to two point one nine. You know, so uh, okay, high rate should be. I think what's more important was that in the first half, and I haven't got the exact figures. You know, our XG was pro- roughly about probably two point two in the first half, and Man United's was like zero point zero three or something ridiculous. They created nothing in the first half, and we created a lot, which goes to show you that in principle we probably should have scored two goals, but we didn't because we didn't put the ball in the back of the net. Second half, they obviously came back into it. Looking at the fairness rating given by Info Goal, it was actually fifty-five point seven nine. So you were you were you were almost there, Laney. Like you know, and they they saw it as a as, as a big yellow, like you know, on the fairness rating as the fact that the bees should have got a lot more out of that game. So I think that kind of goes to show. And if you look at the XG map, there are one, two, three, four, five big red bubbles in the area of the um of, of of the Manchester United area okay you know Jensen on 32 which is 54% you know Ivan Tony his goal is 62% you know we had Christian Norgard on 14 minutes was just 30% chance of those normally going the back of the net Jensen on 13 minutes again 30% so one in three-ish normally go in the back of the net on that one as well Pinnacle 85 minutes 15% of them normally go in the back of the net then on top of that we had a load of other chances as well like you know so it's you know Ivan Tony in 53 minutes 10% so one in 10 normally goes a chance so we had loads of opportunities but they didn't go in the back of the net again we talk about De Gea um, he had a great game as well. Manchester United definitely came back to it in the second half, and they had some, you know, they had some great opportunities as well. To sort of drag themselves back into the game, but um, I think, as you said there, Laney, I think the important thing is that, and this is just one of the things that I've said, and I say all the time, is that if we're creating the chances, even if we don't put them in the back of the net, I'm much more comfortable with that situation than if we're not creating the chances. And I think somebody sent around a little chart on our little WhatsApp group the other day, showing about how what sort of quality of chance we've been creating in the last couple of months and it's definitely been a lot lower you know this game and the Watford game are probably the only couple of games where it's actually been relatively high over two you know so uh, before that you know we've been keeping it pretty tight which means that when we score the goals we've been sort of kind of fairly clinical but even those matches if you're not clinical you're going to lose the match so I would rather see us creating more chances even if we're not going to score because if you do that Game after game after game, you know you're going to get results. And like I said to you, don't forget, we only have to win, and I'm saying this touch wood, three, maybe four games between now and the middle of May to stay in this league. So I think we need to kind of just chill out a little bit. And if we don't win against Man United, and if we don't win against Man City, and we don't win against whoever, you know, I'm just feeling that the way that we're playing, a win will come. So that's my views anyway. But I think let's go over to the fans. Let's hear what they had to say after Man United came to New Griffin Park. I thought we, we played really well tonight. I think it's a very harsh scoreline, but maybe what happens in the Premier League, they had these quick moments, these quick breaks, and suddenly the ball's in the net. We had these lovely breaks ourselves, and we didn't put the ball away. I think when you play these, these bigger teams, and they are teams with more money than us, we play them as peers, but you need a little bit of luck. You need the ball to go in the net. When, when we get a chance, we need to finish better. And you know, we had our chances. We didn't look convincing 
sometimes when we were taking our shots and maybe that's an area to work on and or improve by new players. But do you know what? 3-1 scoreline flattered them, was harsh on us. I think if we keep playing like that, we're absolutely fine. Yeah, they won the game 3-1, but we were brilliant throughout. First half, fantastic. Second half, very, very good too. Created some lovely flowing football. I thought Madge Loslev was superb throughout the game. Actually, every player was superb throughout the game. And they're so different from the last two games of Southampton and Liverpool. This is the game we took to the opposition and uh, we played really, really well. I mean, I'm really, really proud of them. It's just really unfortunate we never got something more than a 3-1 loss. You know, you have to be clinical. You have to take your chances when they come. We didn't do that. But we, I think overall we played very well. I think we could be proud of the, the way we, we performed. We've got to take that into the next game and try and get something on Saturday. We tend to be a better second-half team. If we, if we could mirror, mirror that first half in the second half, tonight would have been a different game. But hold your head up high. Things are better than where they were at Liverpool and better than they were at Southampton. So on a Saturday. It's a cliche about not taking your chances, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's true. Um, I thought, you know, Bees played, you know, well. Sec- first half particularly, we were excellent. We played with real, real energy. And I think we gave Ma- uh, Man United a real fright. We went for it, though. Um, one nil down, we made substitutions like we did against Liverpool. Um, it didn't work out, but you can't um, criticise the players' efforts. As I said, after the Liverpool game, we still have 23 points. Still a way to go. We'll be in the Premier League next season. There you go. The fans, after the game, um, I think they were happy, which sounds weird. After losing a game, fans are happy. But I think they're happy because after the previous two games, they're a little bit worried. And I think they saw there was a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not only us as well. I think, you know, people that I saw that saw the game on TV... They sort of came to us and said, Look, you, you, you guys are pretty unlucky in that game, you know, so don't, you've got too much to worry about. Again, we're not resting on our laurels at all, but, you know, we have to look at this season as to where we're going to go and, uh, and give ourselves a bit of confidence. And I think after that game, we give ourselves a bit of confidence. Laney, the eye catcher for the Bees, who, uh, who stood out for you? Um, I catch up for me, um, I thought that Brian and Bumo again, I'm. I've, I'm I'm not a parrot. I am. I'm not going to say Brian and Bumo every week, but I thought he had an, another exceptional match. Um, he was literally everywhere. He was. He was on both flanks. He came back and defended. He intercepted a, you know, a dangerous uh, cross um, in the second half. I think it was. Um, sorry, it's first half. Uh, and uh, he was. He just looked. He looked at his best again. Um, so yeah, for me, Brian and Bumo and. I, Again, you know, eight and a half out of ten kind of standards. He, he, he didn't really get a chance to, to, to score, but um, he, he was dragging defenders all over the place, and I think he, he was part of the reason that we, we were able to create chances. They were quite obsessed, as they should be, with, with you know, uh, Bumbumo and Tony, so that allowed space elsewhere, and I think, you know, that was a clever tactic, and... Um, you know, we've already talked about, um, you know, it was on another day, the tactic works better. Yeah, and for me, I mean, I, I've talked about Norgard every single week. I thought he was very good. And uh, it's nice to see him get a cheeky assist for the goal. I thought it was quite cheeky, his assist. But I'm actually going to give it to Ivan Tony because I thought he worked his socks off and he played really well. And he caused a lot of problems for Man United yet again, um, like I said to you. And he got the goal. 
that he's been looking for for a while as well. Another goal in open play. Like I said, I think that is his first goal in open play since he scored at Wolves. Um, so uh, if that's the case, hopefully that's a good sign. So uh, so that's the score. I mean, looking at the opposition, you know, obviously they're, they're a team full of stars as well. Who, who, who sort of kind of made you sort of raise your eyebrows, Laney? Uh, Scott McTominay, he, he he was just excellent. You know, I knew I knew he would be. You know, I think he's in another player that's in a really rich vein of form. But he, he bossed the midfield, um, and he he again just full of energy, really close control, just lots of power. Um, he probably didn't make a lot of friends with his kind of like slow exit um, when he got subbed at the end. But you know, class, um, absolutely class. Um, so yeah, Scott McTominay for me. Um, yeah, and, and for me, I mean, obviously De Gea score, uh, he saved quite a few. Um, annoyingly, as well, you know, somebody says that why is it all these keepers seem to have their games of their lives when they come to New Griffin Park? But he definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, um, kept Man United in the game in that first half. You know, with what three probably excellent saves at least. You know, uh, maybe even more. Like you know, so that's that, that was quite frustrating. You know, and if one of those had gone in, you know, two of those had gone in, it would be a completely different game because the second half, Man United would have had to come to us in a completely different way and we could pick them off, but it was different. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to give it to him as well. I thought Elenga as well took his goal well. Um, but again, for me, Scott McTom, as they call him, I thought he had a, I thought he had a great game. You know, he had a, he had a great game, so which is all good. So uh, we talked about that. But anyway, sort of moving on, I'm going to ask you, and this is probably quite difficult because, you know, uh, you're not trying to be calling anyone out, but what do you think the stinker was, Laney? I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this as the stinker and I'm only, going to, I'm only going to use this one so we can actually talk about him because I probably wouldn't talk about him at all otherwise. Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, little tantrum when he, when he got subbed um, because, you know, he... he, he Sat sat on the edge of the kind of dugout area. He threw his threw his um, anorak to the floor, and he and he uh, and he was just proper sulky. Um, so yeah, a little the the Ronaldo hissy fit. I'd say the stinker is, but I mean it really wasn't that bad. And you know it was for me, and I'll I'll, I'll put my hands up here for, for, to see him with my own eyes at, at, at Brentford playing us was just incredible. He's arguably, you know, the best player the world has ever seen. He's up there with like two others, probably. Um, and um, you know, I, I wasn't really comfortable with the booing. I'm not going to get on my high horse. People do what they want. Um, you know, that's fine. You have to make the place, you know, intimidating. I, I don't think he deserved to be booed. Didn't do it myself, but you know, I, I, I think I'd give him a little bit more respect than that. But you know. He played Brentford, and um, you know it's, it was incredible to see. But I will remember him. The, the last time I probably do see him at, at Brentford, he was chucking his jacket on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was. Um, the, the, I'll tell you something as well because there was uh, oh, I don't know his name. He's called a Zar, Zar from Red Issue Fanzine, which is the Man United Fanzine, and he was very unhappy because he actually kind of sort of kind of well messaged us or sent a message actually online saying, "Any chance you can tell me why your fans booed one of the best players the world has seen and to grace their ground besotted? I just don't get it. It's very small-minded, and uh, you know that's kind of." Um, 
I think there's a lot of confusion from the Man United fans as well. Um, well, I think it was kind of probably came off the back, which we're going to talk about in a minute, of the Thomas Frank interviews. There's a, there's a sort of kind of slight Swansea factor going on with Man United where there's a lot of unhappiness with Thomas Frank because of things that he said after the match. We'll talk Ooh. about that in a little bit, but like I said to you, interesting like how the fanzine sort of kind of asking the question as to why have you booed Ronaldo? Now, like you said, is that I wasn't particularly comfortable with booing Ronaldo, even though you know I was there in what was it nineteen um, two thousand and six in, in Gelgeskirchen when England played Portugal in the European Championships. What was it quarterfinal then? Was it? And I, if I remember rightly, he did a little trick to actually get Rooney sent off in that match, and then he did the wink, didn't he? Like you know, basically he did the old cheat. What a winker! <laughs> so um, you know, so I think that there could be a various number of reasons as to why he got booed. It could be because to put him on. Off. It could be because they, they've known about his cheating. It could be because he's been whinging. It could be any reason why. So I think it's really peculiar how, how an opposition kind of uh, supporter kind of asks that question. Because like I said to you, I don't necessarily agree with it. But it's kind of like, you know, booing Ronaldo um, is definitely not the same as racial abuse and all that. And, I'm, you know, and it's all this kind of yeah, stuff, which is horrible and it's nasty. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of one of those things which sort of players take it in their stride. And people like Madison definitely takes it in his stride and he turns around and puts a goal in the back of the net you know um, apparently uh, Ronaldo actually came up to himself to be sort of booed him or something like that or we, or they probably said that you know you're, you're a shit Sergi Canos I think they said to him as well which again is very tongue in cheek and then he just I think he put thumbs up to the to the West End after that so I think Sergi gets it so I don't know if the Man United fans probably took more offence to it than actually Ronaldo did probably I mean and let's let's be honest you know as you say I mean it, it was it was just that that is banter that, that that is exactly what that is you know it's it's, it's fine you know it's it's it's, it's fine um, you don't need anyone doesn't need more permission to say it's fine it's just you know yeah, I, I'm, I'm cool with that but you know they honestly saying that when the best teams come to Old Trafford like the Man City mob come to Old Trafford they don't boo every touch then nah you know it's you know it's it's just what happens, you know. So um, I, did, I did not, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't answer the tweet. I just said, you know, well, just get over it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, there could be a little bit of like, who do Brentford think they are? You know, yeah, booing Ronaldo. You know, I yeah. think you know, oh Man City, they're allowed to boo Ronaldo because you know they've got titles. You know, but Brentford aren't allowed to, and it's like football doesn't doesn't really work like that. But anyway, like you know, talking about you know booing. Thomas Frank got a bit of a booing from the Man United fans because they were really unhappy with his uh, post-match mm. interview, weren't they? You know, and just if anyone didn't hear, this is what um, Thomas Frank said. He said, I'm unbelievably proud of my team. We are the smallest club in the Premier League and Manchester United are the biggest. We destroyed them in the first half. They didn't have a sniff. Three huge chances and there could have only been one winner of the game. They are unbelievably lucky. I know all the stuff about taking chances. They changed the system against little Brentford. One of those nights, fair play to David Hare. If uh, we got those chances, again, one will go in the back of our net. Our intensity killed them. We showed them that in the first half. We played the Brentford way. And uh, and then, you know, he also said, of the, of the three goals, the second is the most disappointing and difficult to come back from. The way we smashed them in the first half was fantastic. So proud of our team, you know. Um, and he just kept saying things like we had to step up. The way we destroyed them, they weren't particularly happy. Like, you know, they were favourites before the game. So he's kind of just, he's just sort of just digging it in there, really. Um, 
But the thing I'd say, and I said this, I was actually on the Wolves uh, fancast as well, if you want to go check that out. And I was chatting to them, and they, they, they kind of mentioned that as well of David Raya's glove as well, obviously, because David Raya kind of took a long time to change his glove when Ooh. he was at Wolves uh, early on in the season. But um, they talked about that, and I said, the thing people don't get with Thomas Frank is that he's, he's very Danish. And they're like, what does that mean? I said, well, they're just very direct. They just say it as it is. You know, there's no, there's no cutting. There's no, there's no mincing words straight out with it. And that's what he said. And and that's what he believes. And that was probably factually quite right. You know, the fact is that, you know, it's interesting. He he said, you know, I know he goes, I know all that stuff and take, he goes, all that nonsense about taking chances or something like that, you know, because everyone always says to you, if you don't put it in the back of the net, oh, if you don't take your chances. And he kind of just battered that away. He goes, I know all that nonsense about taking chances, which is like, we all know if you don't take your chances, you're not going to score. But it's not about that. He says it's about the creation that we did. And the fact is that we did a really good job. And I think he's taken the heat of his players a little bit. We did a really great job. And he's almost saying, look, we could do that against Man United. We can do that against any team this season. So hopefully this is a sign that we're going to be moving forward and creating more chances. Because that's been a little bit nerve wracking that we haven't been doing that as, as of late. Yeah, he was a bit ranty, um, and it did come over slightly salty. I do think. Um, I, I don't. I don't. Obviously, you know, I, I understand the comparisons between the two clubs, and the you know the, the massive budgets and the small budgets, and the you know the, the the bus stop in Hounslow analogy. It always, you know, it always is worth using once. Um, we st- we start using it two or three times in the same sort of interview it gets a, it does get a bit repetitive but you know he's allowed to be frustrated he's allowed to be angry he's allowed to be upset he's allowed to feel you know a bit unjust that you know we should have got more out of it and you know you just got to take it on at face value you know a, a 30 second piece and then you you reset and move on different game different different kind of mood you know you, you don't he does, he's not always like that. He's not. You, you can't frame him by that interview, and that's what. Unfortunately, that's what people seem to do. They seem to like pick, pick examples of him being a certain way and pretend that he's like that all the time. He's not. He's he's a, he's a very very intelligent, very calm, very rational, and as you say, you know, very Danish um, uh, individual, um, and he wears his heart on his sleeve, and that's what you want. You don't you don't want boring predictable cliched uh you know diatribes and and the same that you get from you know the moodiness of of daesh do, do we want that no of course we don't you know I, 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 you, you take you take uh thomas frank's personality all day long and if you don't like that then you know that's that's fine you haven't got to like him but don't you know don't use examples of him being a certain way and say like he's like that all the time he's sorty he's 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 kind of like you know just petty and what you know, we even had someone saying, you know, that he dissed one of the Man United players who he was missing because he was a, you know, he was at a funeral. Yeah, Sancho is a funeral, right? Like, he wasn't saying that at all. I mean, it's just there's, there's some really twisted individuals that will take him saying one thing or not saying something and then twist it into something else. Just literally take it at face value and then move on. And it's just don't don't wind yourself up. <laughs> to be fair, that comment actually came from a Fulham fan. It was actually Jack from Fulhamish. So again, you have to look at where the comment is coming from and the reason why they did it, you know, and they they feel that they can... Uh, they've been very quiet for the last uh, six or seven months, Fulham, you know, but they feel oh, that they're surprise, riding a surprise. bit of... 
Yeah, riding a bit of a wave now because they're scoring goal after goal. So all of a sudden he pipes up and he talks, uh, makes a comment on uh, Brentford versus Man United, um, which is completely false because they felt that they, they had the power to do so. Like you know, which is which is you know, listen, listen, that that's the way that it is. One thing I must admit, which I very much did, because obviously the Man United fans started to come out online on social media, and I, I remembered the words of Andy Mitten, who was from United We Stand, who was on the pre-match podcast, did a really good interview um, with us before on the pre-match podcast, and he just said, you know, Manchester United fans online are very different to Manchester United fans who go to the game because we've got this massive international audience, okay, most of those people never go to matches, not saying that doesn't make them Man United fans, but he goes but their views sometimes are very different from the people that come to the game, so when I saw a lot of the comments I just thought, tell you something, just ignore them, just move on and do your own thing, because at the end of the day it's very easy to come out and say these things and do these things, but the people who are at the match sometimes will probably have a slightly different opinion um key moment laney tell me what was your key moment key moment is jensen his second miss i say second miss yeah i I, i'm thinking that's that sets the tone i'm thinking uh we 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 we, you know that's when i thought right okay we're gonna get punished for this um and i didn't i kept it to myself because you still get behind them and you still believe them Going in at nil nil, still obviously, you know, there's a lot to there's a lot to kind of like you know gear yourself up for and be buoyed for the second 45 minutes. Um, but I, 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 that was when I thought, mm, yeah, it's, it's going to be one of them nights. So you know, I, th- I, th- I think you know, I, I call it kind of like mu- muscle memory. You know, after after seeing as many how many games have I watched in my life? I mean, like tens of thousands of games, not necessarily Brentford games, but you know. You you kind of know mostly what what's going to happen next. You know you, sometimes you sometimes it allows you to go right. We're going to score in a minute because you kind of you've seen you've seen that pressure and this the scenario so often it normally leads to a goal. You know something's going to come. Um, so it's, it works in reverse. You know when something's not going to happen. You think oh well you know it doesn't mean it's not going to. And that's why we all love football so much. It's like there is the unexpected and there's always the times that you just it's against the odds or against all um, expectation or experience something happens and you kind of just like you, you're blown away by it so you know I'm not saying you, you're right every time but usually you, you know what's coming based on how many millions of times you've watched it in the past and that's when I thought ah, this ain't happening for the beast tonight mate key moment for me was uh, it was Man United's goal actually because we went in at nil all at half time so uh, we were evenly balanced as it was and then they came out, obviously they changed their formation, went sort of three stroke five at the back and they came out a different team. But again, it's kind of like that first goal killed us off because uh, if we'd held out resilient, I still think that we could have still stayed in the game. But that, as soon as they scored that goal, for me, it, it, it really did change the game. I mean, talking about goals, because obviously they scored a goal against our goalkeeper, Lossell. Now, Lossell was a bit of a surprise to some um, especially as Brentford had said that you know Fernandez is going to be number one keeper and Lossell is his deputy as such, and then Lossell popped up uh, on the team sheet. Were you surprised about that, Laney? I was surprised. Um, I was I was relieved as well. Um, I, th- I think you know uh, it, he, he deserved a chance, not necessarily just based on he deserved a chance. It was his turn. <clears throat> um, from what I saw um, at Port Vale, and this, you, you can't take too much from that because you know it wasn't an evenly matched team, apart from one moment. Um, he he looks like a proper 
goalie. Yeah. Um, and I don't want I don't want to give Fernandez too much grief, but you know, he he, he was causing us a lack of confidence in the defence, and, and and he was he was making mistakes that were costing us goals or you know you, you could point a finger that if he'd, he'd done something different it wouldn't have led to a goal um, and I, I think Lossell brought a lot more composure authority stature um, to the position uh, yeah he still let three goals in um, so, uh, so you know the, the the situation isn't all about who's in between the you know between the sticks um, all goalkeepers let goals in, um, but I don't think he made a save. Did he really? He might, he might have just a couple of collections. So it's hard to, to to judge him too much on on his performance. But I thought, looking at the defence, looking how he cleared the ball, looking how he made decisions to whether to roll it out, uh, kick it short. Um, play to the fullbacks that were kind of either side of the six-yard box and, and build from the, you know try and break the press there, or to kick it longer for Ivan Tony. I thought he made all of those decisions spot on. He didn't make any of those hesitancies um, and he didn't have any doubt in his head. He was really assured, um, and I think him being in goal is a much much marked improvement on where we were at at Liverpool, and and I think he needs to stay there. I mean, I think the word is he's commanding as well. And, you know, so the goalkeeper that points, points that people tell them what to do. He's 32 years old, so he's been around the traps when it comes to goalkeeping. He, he, he's been there and seen it, done it. So he's very comfortable. And I think there's an argument to say that if you've got a confident keeper, your your defence plays with a bit more confidence. I mean, you'd say, well, you're letting three goals. Um, there's an argument to say is that could any of them, I mean, that, were there mistakes being made by the defenders or was, was it just very well executed by Man United? And also, would have any of keeper saved those? You know, maybe you know um, De Gea might have saved one because he's you know on his day. But in general, you know, they're also sort of kind of well taken goals. So there's an argument to say that you know, listen, it it, it was what it was. But listen, you know, Wolverhampton Wanderers are coming to New Griffin Park. You know, Man United have sort of they've seen them out the door. See you later. We'll, we'll hopefully, fingers crossed, see you next season. We got rush in a new lot. So. Uh, on Saturday, we got Wolverhampton Wanderers coming. But before we got Wolves coming, we got JB coming. He's going to give us a bit of facts and he's going to give us some funk after that menu game. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Woo! JB! And he's ready to talk it to you one time. Jonathan Burchard here again. During the 2010-11 Tier 3 season, which saw Andy Scott and Mickey Forster in charge, we used six different goalkeepers to start league games. Simon Moore, Richard Lee, Simon Royce, as well as Loney's Alex McCarthy, Ben Hamer and Trevor Carson. In the next ten seasons, we only used a maximum of two keepers to start league games. And that trend had continued until Jonas Lossell became our third of this season against Manchester United. We went into the break on Wednesday 0-0. Something we hadn't done since the start of the season when playing Crystal Palace away and Brighton at home. But again, we extended the pattern of letting the opposition score first, something we have now done in 15 of our 22 Premier League games. We did, however, see Ivan Tony score for the first time since November when he netted his 39th Brentford goal. It was, of course, scored at the new stadium and was some open play, but that was the very first time he had done that in front of fans.
So there you go, JB, with some goalkeeping fats and funk. And like I said, he talked about Lossell being the third keeper that we've played in a season, which is a bit of a rarity for the old bees, like you know what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, I mean, there you go. But tell you, I thought what was an interesting fact, which is something that we've discussed beforehand, but again, he's kind of crystallised it, JB, there. You know, the fact that we actually went in middle all at half-time, which is a bit of a rarity for Brentford because we normally go into matches uh, uh, behind, you know. But saying that, you know, this was the 15th time out of 22 Premier League games that we've let the opposition score first. Now, I'm not being funny, Laney. You know, we can dress it up as much as we want to, but that's not a very good stat because we're basically always starting on the back foot, aren't we? Yeah, it, it isn't. If you can avoid that, it, but it's, it's, you know, yes, it's it's not a great stat. It means, like, as you say, you, you need to fight back, but the, I guess the, you know, it's what happens at 90 minutes. It's not necessarily the order of the goals. It, do, it doesn't help, obviously. But, you know, sometimes it has spurred us on to, to come back. And, you know, I'd rather us go behind um, early than go behind late when there's no chance of a comeback, as we did against Brighton. You know, if we come, if Brighton score their goal um, in, the, in the first 10 minutes and we go 1-0 down, that gives us 80 minutes to, to get back into the game. So, yeah, if you, we are going to concede goals, um, and it's, but it's better to be two goals up than, than, than one goal down when you can see it. So, so yeah, I, I, I do get it. It's, it's something that in an ideal world you, you're not trying to fight your way back from, but you know, it's, it's what happens at 90 minutes, not, not necessarily the sequence of the goals. Indeed. So listen, Saturday, Wolverhampton Wanderers are coming to town. We're going to have a little break, have a little cup of tea, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk Wolves. So New Griffin Park, we're going to say hello Wolves, welcome to New Griffin Park. Let's find out some info on Wolves, we're going to go to Little Dan from the Wolves Fancast. He's going to give us all the information that we need to know about Wolverhampton Wanderers. Hi Brentford fans, Little Dan here from the Wolves Fancast. You can find us at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. I hope you're all doing well, I hope you've had a good start to the new year. Uh, the Premier League season is pretty much halfway through now. Wolves uh, just in the top half with uh, our sights set on hopefully another return to Europe. There's a lot of games to play, can still go either way. Uh, we're, we're quite hopeful. Hopefully the uh, owners will give us a bit more financial backing in this January transfer window. But as you're aware, football fans making deals in January isn't the easiest thing to do. Looking from afar, I've been quietly impressed with how Brentford have done this season um, I think your points haul is more than what the majority of football fans would have expected so far and as it stands if you keep playing the way that you are unlucky again against uh, Man United last night but as you're quite uh, becoming regularly aware now the Premier League is ruthless if you don't take your chances you do get suckered and even though Man United aren't great at the moment they've still got goals in that team as shown last night um, I'll be making my way down to uh, your new stadium on Saturday. I never actually visited Griffin Park, so I'm looking forward to the, the trip down to London on Saturday. My expectations at the start of the season were hopefully Wolves just to, to finish just in the top half or, or mid-table. It was quite a um, sort of stuck-in-limbo moment after Nuno Espirito Santo left the club. I think the, the majority of the fan base weren't sure which way this club were heading but 
Bruno Lodge without any financial backing has absolutely done wonders this season and we're not uh, far off top four at the moment which is quite ridiculous considering where we were looking last season. The loss of Raul Jimenez had a major effect on us but uh, things are looking good at the moment and hopefully we can get some players in in this month. In regards to um, Brentford, the, the player that I've um, obviously Wolves fans should be aware of is Ivan Tony. I think he leads the line really well. Um, he was close to uh, signing for Wolves a, a good few years back but he failed the medical I believe so he's already scored once against us and I think he'll be looking to prove us wrong again. Um, in regards to what Wolves players you guys should be looking out for, the usual standard one is Adama Traore but everyone's aware unless you live under a rock that he's in a bit of a transfer room and merry-go-round at the moment between Wolves and Tottenham apparently this evening um, Tottenham have had a £15 million bid rejected for our Spanish winger and truth be told £15 million is an absolute joke the guy's uh, got 18 months on his contract but he is probably one of the most exciting players in the world to watch there isn't really another player like him in my opinion unless you sort of compare Kylian Mbappe for the absolute raw electric pace that these guys have and the ability to take players on uh, in regards to Saturday's game 3 o'clock at your new stadium I'm going for a one-all draw I think um, you guys will be really up for it trying to claw back the, the points that you lost last night You that you were uh, fully deserve to at least get a, a draw we're just looking to keep our momentum going I think um, it's a big game for both sides because I think you guys won't want to lose again on the back of uh, the Man United defeat and there's quite a few fixtures um, for teams above Wolves this weekend coming that we need to take advantage of. I think West Ham are away to Man United, so I think we're, we're only four, five, six points behind West Ham with, with two games in hand, so we're looking to get a, a good result this weekend and uh, hopefully, as I said, keep pushing for those European places. I wish you all the best of luck for the rest of the season after Saturday. And yeah, up the Wolves. So there we go, Dan from Wolverhampton Wanderers and he's a little bit upset. Traore potentially might be off for what he believes is a pittance of a thief from uh, Tottenham Hotspur. They're wrangling it out at the moment now. Probably the good news for us is that Traore probably won't be playing on Saturday because he's in the middle of a bit of a transfer uh, uh, situation. Uh, We remember those when players all of a sudden they just disappear off the bench, disappear from your squad because they might be leaving, but it hasn't quite been decided as yet. And like I said, I remember going up to to Wolves, like I said, start the season. It was a great, actually a good little day out. It's 12.30 kickoff, nice sunny day. And I went on the Fools fan cast and I said to them, the player that I was really nervous about was Traore and I remember those guys actually and girls they said to me oh he never scores you know oh yeah he creates lots of problems but he never scores you know but obviously he's somebody must think that he's half decent because Tottenham want to buy him off of them like you know so um yeah so listen Wolverhampton Wanderers um so looking something looking at looking at Wolves okay um, I'm going to say to you, there's strength shooting from direct free kicks, which is something that we seem to do all the time. You give goals, free kicks away all the time, and we need to stop that as well. They're good at defending set pieces and protecting the lead, but where they're weak is avoiding offside, finishing, scoring chances, fouling in dangerous areas. They're not very good in the air, and also avoiding individual errors. 
So um, Wolverhampton Wanderers, I mean, looking at them, okay, so goals, um, they're sort of kind of, talking to the Wolves crew, it seems to them like scoring goals isn't a big thing in the in the Wolves, you know, in the Wolves game. You know, not saying that they can't score goals because obviously they've got good players, but they're saying that, you know, goals are tight. And it said looking at the, even, you know, how many goals they scored this season. I think they've scored only 17 goals this season, Wolverhampton Wanderers. OK, they scored 17 goals this season. Um, so, um, and when we looked at them before, their, their XG was relatively decent. So it seems that it's putting the ball in the back of the net. They seem to create OK chances, but it's actually putting the ball in the back of the net. But where they are good, and I think this is where their game is, it's very similar to what we were like at the beginning of the season. Defensively, they're very, very tight. They're actually kind of probably one of the top six uh, best defences in the league. They've only let in 15 goals this season, but also their XG against as well is uh, is relatively decent. You know, I think it's uh, 27, around about 27-ish, like, you know, so Wolverhampton Wanderers. So it's n- it's not too bad, you know, if you compare it to Brentford, you know, we're 33.1 XGA. So like, you know, we're, 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 we're putting the ball on the plate for a lot of people. So here you go, like, you know, so I think that's possibly where the game's going to be won or lost this time. What do you think, Laney? Yeah, it's a real toughie. Um, they they all they all wanna they 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 think they'll owe us um, after the game up at Molyneux. Um As you say, you know they're 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 a really decent team. They've got some really good players. I'm I'm I'm, I'm really surprised that Tottenham want Traore, um, but fine. If that's why they want to waste their money on him. You know, zero goals, zero assists. He's got this season. So I, I'm not quite sure, apart from size of his biceps, what 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 is impressive about him this season. But um, all the time that they're they're looking at him, they're not looking at Brian and Bumo. I mean, how are they not looking at Brian and Bumo? You know, if they need a wide player, he's he's, he's someone who has has can score and has got assists. So I I, I don't know what's going on there, but it's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I'm. Wolves are one of those teams like you describe um, quite often as a championship team, and that's not saying they're a championship quality team. They're a team that we've played a lot in the recent years in League One and the Championship. Um, so we're kind of we're kind of more familiar with them um, and not overawed either with them. So yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to them coming. Um, they've got some really really good players. That Pudence is, is someone that seems to always he's a live wire. He's always involved. Um, and so yeah, every, everywhere you look, they have threats. Connor Cody is is someone that's you know he's a defender that can ping a pass. He scored, old school, um, yeah, old school. <laughs> scored against uh, scored against Southampton last time out. So yeah, they they they, they have got threats and they're in good nick. So you know I, I'm I'm concerned. Let's put it that way. It's, we need to get this one out of the way. We need to go into the international break. Then I think we need to then crack on with getting the points needed to to to, to keep us up comfortably. It's interesting that the man up front, uh, Jimenez, as well, he's top scorer with four goals. And that's sort of quite similar to, you know, Ivan Tony. I think Ivan's got five now as well. So it's kind of like their top scorer isn't like, you know, we've got some teams, top scorers with 16 goals, some teams with nine and 10. But, you know, we're talking about sort of kind of threes and fours for their top scorers. So, again, you can see it's very similar to, to how Brentford are doing. Um, there's one player as well, you know, which I think, you know, they didn't mention it. Uh, Dan didn't mention it because he only mentioned Traore, but he didn't mention any other players that we should look out for. I don't know if he thought that we might be on a scouting mission and we might, we might, we might, we might tell the scouting department exactly, you know, what to do. But um, they've got this player called Ryan 
Ainuri, I think he is. He plays on the left wing. And he had a very good game in their last game out. Um, I'm not sure where they played last game out. Was it Southampton, Southampton I think it was? Yeah, yeah Southampton, yeah. So Ryan Ainuri as well, playing on the left wing. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm sure that he's going to pop up again against us. Uh, and it would be interesting to see how we keep him quiet. You know, down the right-hand side, down Mads Roslev's side, actually. So that should be a quite interesting. So, you know, Wolverhampton Wanderers, we know them well. You know, we've played them very many times. They keep reminding us how they pipped us to the championship in the season that we went up from Division 1. You know, but we're, you know, we're cool with that. Like, you know, because we both went up that season. We hung around in the following decision for Division for quite a, quite a number of years before they actually went up as well. We're very friendly with the London Wolves guys. We're giving them a shout-out as well. Obviously, Wolves fan cars, we know you guys as well there's like all sorts of Wolves characters that we know so like I said we're looking forward to them all coming down and potentially having a, a beer with them before the match like you know um, but maybe I would like to say that's all we're going to give them on Saturday lady because I'm going to ask you for a school prediction from the Wolves game I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw I think as I said I think we need to get this like run of stinky uh, results out of the way get into the um, get into the um, into the international break. Then we've got you know we come back. We've got an FA Cup game at Everton. We've got another game against Man City. I think I think we just need to get get through to get Man City out of the way, and then we look at the rest of the season after that. I, th- I think that's where my head's at at the moment. You know, I think you know if we can get a point, get three points against Wolves, that'd be incredible. If we if we get nothing, we're probably going to get nothing at Man City as well. Um, and then I think our season starts again against Crystal Palace on, on February the 12th. So I, that's that's where my head's at. But yeah, answer your question, one all draw. OK, and interesting how you're sort of analysing the season. I mean, I went on a couple of Wolves podcasts and I said that, you know, I wasn't, um, I'm not getting nervous about our recent re- set of results, the last two or three set of results. And the reason why is because my belief is, um, and I said this after the Aston Villa game and I know everyone sort of looked at me, I said, I, you know, I didn't, we don't. I said we don't think we're going to win another game until probably this middle to the back end of February, and it was like whoa, you know. But I just thought, you know, we got Liverpool, we got Man City, we got Manchester United, you know, you know. Okay, we got Wolverhampton Wanderers, which can go either way. But I just thought I was comfortable with that because, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if we win roughly about a game a month, which is it's not like I want us to win a game a month, but I'm thinking, what do we need for survival? We need three wins, maybe four wins. You know, the predictor at the moment now is uh, sort of uh, 5.38 says we're going to be finishing, you know, about you know four or five places off, about five, six places off the bottom, I think it is, at the moment now. It's just a predictor, you know, and we're going to be, you know, finishing, what's it, you know, seven or eight or nine points off the bottom at the moment now. Again, if our form absolutely collapses, that'll be, that'll be different. So it means that the teams at the bottom have to pick up points. So I'm thinking that, you know, if we keep on a trajectory of winning maybe three, if not four more games... Then, uh, then we should be safe. So I'm thinking I'm not going to panic if we don't win next week or the week after that because we've got between now and the end, and the end of May to actually start on the middle of May to win these matches. And also, don't forget, we have players coming back. Because for, for me, the key time is going to be about April. We're going to have our full squad back, I would like to think. I think Rayo should be back by then. Ayo should be back on, uh, Ayo should be back in form. We might have Josh De Silva back then as well. And I think that's going to be the exciting time. So let's put our finger in the dam between now and April and whatever we could pick up between now and then it's all good so listen if we can get a result against Wolves brilliant but for me I'm very much like you Laney if we can get a draw against Wolverhampton Wanderers that'll be another just a little notch you know in the wall you know as we're climbing up that wall to the wall 
of safety. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, brought to you by Anything Is Possible AIP dot media and uh, don't forget to subscribe and write a review uh, I, I noticed there's a little review that went up a few days ago actually we'll read that out on the next podcast thank you very much for writing that review also yeah that's right we had one from transylvania that's right that's where it's from so we'll read that out as well um in the next podcast also don't forget to uh, buy us a beer besotted.com yeah. forward slash beer <laughs> buy us a beer thank you to everyone that's bought us a beer also don't forget the Rob Rowan Fund if you want to go there just giving.com and then just look for Besotted and then you can just give what you want to if you feel like it Rob Rowan who's actually helped to get us to where we are now our old technical director Rob RIP what else going to say I'm going to say yeah Wolverhampton Wanderers coming down on Saturday looking forward to it uh, Wolves fans know the territory like I said to you if you go to besotted.com we've got a pub guide in our uh, pre-match preview by ian westbrook so go and check that out loads of pubs to go to in the brentford area and also in the q area as well the original pubs you go to you know the globe and the nelson and the griffin they're all there and they're still buzzing and happening as well but loads more pubs in q as well uh, if you want to queue up a little bit longer for a beer mm. but like i said to you i'm billy grant here and i've been having a chin wag with laney after the man united game come on you bees Come on, you bees. And like I said to you, looking forward to the match on Saturday. Going to go and have a little drink and hopefully we can get the three points, as we say. Come, come on, Brentford. Come on, you bees. You, come on, you bees. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.